0: NFL. Now here's your hosts, Woot and Why. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why show. I am Josh Y. Uh, normal programming will resume on the August 5th. Woot and I uh, will reunite after his uh, little break. Uh, he went to Hawaii, if you haven't worked that out already, and uh, we had one of our... Uh, best friend's weddings uh, on Sunday, uh, Weeksy, uh, congratulations, and uh, Josh Josh was the best man, and he was annoying me about this speech in the week to the lead up, he didn't know how to do it, because if you know our friend Weeksy, he's one of the most quietest guys, so it's hard to really speak about the guy in length, but uh, we nailed it and hit it out of the park, so congratulations. Uh, Big congrats to him as well. So I'm joined by a very special guest today, to guest co-host. Um, if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll be aware of him. Um, he's a uh, he's a great guy. His name is Ben Cummins. He's not an NRL referee, which we established uh, <laughs> pre-recording, but you can follow him on Twitter at FF. And he's also um, he's, got, he's he's got his uh, he's got his feet in a lot of camps. Uh, so he's the member of the uh, Fantasy Football Authority podcast, and he's a draft consultant. He's also contributed for the Fantasy Footballers at 2QBs, roto and Roto-Underworld. And uh, he's very, very switched on with the Denver Broncos. But Ben, welcome to the show.
1: I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I had such a blast last year when we talked during the uh, preseason. And I'm, I'm pumped to be back. And uh, like we talked about before, I'm honored to be a uh, guest host with you.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to have someone... Uh, I normally have uh, RJ Ochoa step in as my guest host, but he's at Cowboys camp, so I was like, I'm gonna switch it up a little oh, bit, wow. and uh, yeah. I'm gonna give you a give you a call, and uh, we'll get you on here. Uh, you took part recently in the Scott Fish Bowl, so did we? How did how did you feel about the draft and your team and the format?
1: Uh yeah, I felt I felt pretty good about my team. Obviously, uh, have have you guys probably touched? I'm sure you've touched on the scoring already with with your listeners.
0: Yeah, well, we haven't really talked about it on the show because we haven't, uh, apart from recording last week with some um, with Doug Farrar and Shannon Furman, we didn't really talk fantasy, but we did tweet out um, sort of the format because um people were having a go at our team without realizing what the format was because we went yeah exactly
1: yeah. exactly. So yeah, super flex. So you got to start two. Well, you don't have to, but you want to start two quarterbacks because that's where your well, that's where the points are going to come from. And then there's other flex spots too. But you essentially uh, can start a lot of running backs and receivers. But the it's point per first down, which I've never played before, and of course, shout out to Scott Fish, yeah. uh, doing great stuff in the community, fantasy cares things like that. I'm trying to get some toys for uh, for kids that don't have as much money during Christmas and things like that over yep. here in the States. And and he puts this together and he's always trying to keep all of these analysts, us included on our feet. So it's point per first down, which just makes running backs all that more valuable because they're going to see more touches and more opportunities. And then it was tight end premium. Whereas it uh, is one point per first down for running backs and wide receivers, but two and a half points per first down yep. for tight ends. And that also stretched, two touchdowns where it was six points for running back and receiver and seven and a half for tight end so uh looking at the format for me I just uh I went with the scoring the way I thought Scott Fish wanted us to take it and I went quarterback running back and tight end heavy and then I kind of went into it expecting to have a weak wide receiver core in in terms of Relative to my other positions, but I actually ended up starting in the eighth round, landing Keenan Allen, and I got Willie Snead and Julian Edelman and Jeremy Macklin and some other upside guys later. So. I'm actually really pleased with uh, getting Drew Brees and Dak Prescott and Jordan Reed and Kyle Rudolph and DeMarco Murray and Mike Gillisley and Eddie Lacey and and then landing those receivers. I kind of like the balance that I put together, and I'm just hoping that my guys can stay healthy and uh, can do some things for me. What about you? How did you guys feel?
0: Yeah, uh, looking at your team, I'm glad I got you on here to talk fantasy because it seems like you have a better grasp on it than us. Um, I think you did a much, much better job uh, than we did, but... Oh, b- nonsense, nonsense. <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed that tight ends, um, there was a big tight end run before I could grab my second tight end. So I didn't really, after that tight end run happened, that sort of was a bit of a teardrop, and I didn't want to reach for a tight end that I didn't want. Um, so, uh, you know, I went into their targeting. I wanted Kyle Rudolph really bad. I thought he was perfect for where yeah. he was going, and I see that you landed him, and I he went one pick before me, and then on the secondary run as well... Uh, I think uh, Jack Doyle and, and uh, someone else went right before me. So um, we still ended up with Jimmy Graham in the fifth round, which kind of started the tight end run. It just happened to finish right before me on the on the turn. But um, I'm really happy with our quarterbacks. We landed Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. Um, and then in the first round, we sort of went in hoping to get, like, sort of Rob Gronkowski or, or one of those running backs. But it turns out that Antonio Brown fell to us at pick 10, and we didn't really want to go wide receiver early, but... Um, we didn't touch wide receiver after that until round seven, landing to Vante Adams and then J- Jamison Crowder. So, um, and okay. then we then we sort of ignored wide receiver for for a while and just went really running back heavy with Crowell, Carlos Hyde, Doug Martin, Theo Riddick, um, Robert Turban. So overall, pretty happy with the team, but uh, we'll wait and see yeah, how def- it plays out. Uh, but it was definitely a fun concept given given the fir- you know point per first down and tight end premium. So it's really, really, really good. All right, um, let's get into some NFL news. And before I mention that, I did say normal programming resumed next uh, Saturday. Uh, Woot and I will will be joined by, by a guest to ramp up our fantasy content. And then hopefully uh, moving forward for the regular season, we're going to change things up a little bit um, with the, the way that we do our shows. So stay tuned for all of that. But let's get into some uh, NFL news. start with uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who have had a bit of a rough trot uh, over the last couple of weeks in terms of the offseason, losing Tavon Young earlier. And now they've lost Joe Flacco for uh, three to six weeks. And we're also dipping into Kenneth Dixon in a second. Um, but it just seems to be a horrible run. And then John Urschel retires today. So it's it's a horrible run of uh, just unfortunate events. It reminds me of the 49ers a few years back when Chris Borland retired and then Patrick Willis retired. And then yeah. uh, I think Bowman got injured. It was just horrible straight. And
1: yeah, definitely,
0: yeah. And so basically, he, he he's the timeline's wide for Flacco. So uh, we're talking uh, three to six weeks was the initial report. Um, that was per NFL Network. And then Baltimore Sun Jeff Zuerchick. If you don't follow him, he's a, a really good source for Ravens uh, news uh, throughout training camp and and the preseason. He thinks just a week of rest and it's not overly serious. But then he also suggests that Colin Kaepernick may come into play, and the Ravens have been looking at him, given you know John's connection with his brother Jim and Greg Roman's connection with Colin Kaepernick, and things like that. So we'll wait and see what happens with with Colin Kaepernick and Joe Flacco. But if Joe Flacco does miss time, Ben, how do we approach the Ravens' passing game? You know, say if it's Ryan Mallett, or even if it's Colin Kaepernick.
1: Yeah, injuries like this are just so tough because obviously, like you pointed out, they're saying that it might he might only miss one week of the regular season. And if he only misses one or even two weeks, I'm really not that concerned. But we just don't know if it could be longer or if he does come back at that point. But he's still not 100% and he's still struggling with it all year. And he takes a hit and it, it flares up on him again. And he just is not healthy for a large portion of the season. And that's that's the scare. And we just don't really know yet with this news just coming out. So it makes it really hard to analyze. But if we do look at this and say that he will be back after one or two weeks, then I'm still pretty bullish on a lot of the pass catchers in Baltimore. I mean, even Danny Woodhead is still RB27 in MFL10s right now jeremy macklin is wide receiver 38 and mike wallace is wide receiver 51 and obviously you know with kenneth dixon going down we really like woodhead even more yep. and i already uh, really liked him before that and then macklin and wallace are two guys that just are probably gonna pretty easily beat those adps i'm really a fan of jeremy macklin right now at his price I mean, we're talking about the Ravens who are missing an NFL high 345 targets from last year with all the players that are missing, Mm -hmm. Dennis Pitta being one from injury, and we know that the Ravens have thrown the most passes in the NFL for two years in a row, and I don't necessarily expect that to continue, but they should still have a pretty high-volume passing attack, and we know volume and targets is a huge part of what makes fantasy pass catchers relevant, so... I mean, I think Macklin is pretty clearly the wide receiver one coming in. And he even talked to Adam Schefter on a podcast lately saying he played through a torn groin last year. Uh we know we yeah, we know he missed some time. I'm not sure if that has been verified, but that that's what he said from his mouth. And so if he did come back and he was at less than hundred percent, which is what it looked like if he has healed this offseason and he comes back, I mean, we've seen Jeremy Macklin for a long period of time be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. Okay. So I expect him to have that role that Steve Smith, you know, at a very extended age played very well in. And so I want Macklin. It's just hopefully Flacco's going to be healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. If I had to bet, though, I think he's more likely to end up on IR than play, you know, 13 plus games uh, I just feel like these back injuries just don't go away um, so if it is Ryan Mallett I'm a little bit concerned about Ravens pass catches but it is I, I don't think they would just be content going in with Ryan Mallett I think honestly Colin Kaepernick will will get the call and 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 will end up being the starter at some point point. and then at this point you're right I think Macklin is the guy to own and if Flacco is out for the season then some of these guys might drop and you'll get even better value on them because people are too scared to touch that offense you touched on Denny Woodhead uh yeah the Kenneth Dixon uh he has has a meniscus injury requires a full repair and will be out for the season so pretty much leaves the Ravens with Denny Woodhead Terrence West uh, Buck Allen and then on their roster at this point uh I was already high on Denny Woodhead, as you said, but this obviously is just going to result in a, in a huge ADP rise for him and and in terms of usage as well. But obviously they're going to dip their toes into the free agent market or, or trade for someone. So Rashad Jennings, D'Angelo Williams is out there, but maybe they could look at somewhere else like Ryan Matthews, who's on the outer in, in Philly, or even Carlos Hyde, who's been rumored uh, to, to be on the outer in San Fran. So we'll get to Hyde in a minute, but what do you think now about, you know Denny Woodhead's ADP. Where are you comfortable buying him, and and what running back would you like to see possibly be be added into the mix in, in Baltimore?
1: Yeah, like we both talked about, I, I really like Woodhead, and and it to your point, it is very important to see where his ADP ends up because at some point he could get too expensive. But right now, I mean, he goes back to that 345 targets that are wide open because we know even though Woodhead is technically a running back, he is one of the best pass catching running backs. In the league and we know he's coming back from an injury and he's getting up there in age but at least for now um, I think he has at least one good season left and so really like him uh, in PPR leagues in that RB2 range I'm still probably fine with it especially looking at how little depth they have at this point in standard leagues it's a little bit different but we also know that Woodhead was used in San Diego a lot of time in the red zone so we'll see What they do with him in Baltimore, but I'm definitely very excited about him. And then I like Terrence West as a late round flyer, and I'm sure his ADP is going to start to rise. But I've liked him for a little while now as a guy that you can get pretty late and was going to get a few starts. And now he might be much more relevant for a lot longer period with Kenneth Dixon out. However, like you brought up, there are certainly already whispers from beat writers that they might want to bring in another running back. And personally, I never was really a Ryan Matthews fan early in his career, but last year I hopped on board in (laughs) Philly. We we maybe had even talked about that last year, and of course he gets hurt again, and I definitely don't believe in his ability to stay healthy, but there was a report about a month ago, I think, I saw on Roto World where Baltimore potentially could have been interested in Matthews, and this was before Dixon got hurt. So if Philly does cut him, I would be interested to see if he goes there, because if he is healthy, then at least for as long as he's able to stay healthy, that would kind of excite me. I took Matthews with my very last pick in the Scott Fish Bowl in the 22nd round. But um, we would see what would happen, but it would certainly make it more murky again and kind of take Terrence West's value and drive it back down again. But again, the, the guy that has a solidified role that we're not worried about at all Is Woodhead? We know he's going to be that pass-catching back, and we know not only are there so many targets up for grabs, but Baltimore has thrown to their running backs out of the backfield almost more than any other team in the league besides the Saints, yeah, over the past couple of years.
0: It's It's a crazy amount. And on Fantasy Football Calculator right now, he's the 22nd running back off the board. This is PTR scoring. Behind Adrian Peterson, who's... You know, Denny Woodhead might might catch more passes this year than Peterson's caught in his entire career. It, right. Like, that's, right. Just, that's just madness to me. Um, Doug Martin as well, who's missing the first four weeks of the season, even though I am a fan of Doug Martin, I would definitely take Denny Woodhead ahead of him in, in PPR oh, scoring. Uh, and same with maybe Spencer Ware as well, given Kareem Hunt's presence. And, yeah, I, I he has to rise. Um, and I am a big fan of him. I uh traded for him in a dynasty league just last week, so I'm very happy with myself. Uh, given, there you go. Given the injuries. Uh, Carlos Hyde's a name we've just mentioned. Um, you know, how do we approach Carlos Hyde in drafts, given the murmurs around him that he could, you know, be a surprising camp cut? Um, if you look at the 49ers' new regime, they've been sort of clear that they're not quite content with their running back situation by signing Tim Hightower. Then they traded for Capri Bibbs, drafted Joe Williams, and then they even have... Uh, Matt Breida, um, an undrafted free agent who's been sort of flashing as well. So it seems clear that they're not quite happy with Carlos Hyde. Uh, But then just today, John Lynch said that Carlos Hyde looks in terrific shape. So maybe it's the old GM talking up the player before they trade him or cut him thing. But I, I was really high on Carlos Hyde, given I thought he'd be really good with Carl Shanahan. And I think the 49ers offense is going to be far more competent this year than it was last year and i've drafted him in a few leagues i'm a little bit concerned now on what where i draft him going forward now
1: yeah so the cut report was really weird because the niners do not have very many good players on offense at all and carlos Hyde isn't even making that much money so cutting him just really makes no sense yeah but kind of looking on the other end of the spectrum i have been somebody that has never really been a big Carlos Hyde fan, especially at where his ADP has always ended up over the past couple years. Just looking at the situation after Harbaugh left and the 49ers just kind of fell down the drain, kind of with that that season you talked about earlier where everybody retired and got hurt and they've just been bad ever since. I haven't really been a fan of the situation and I'm a guy that loves running backs and good offenses with more touchdown opportunities and things of that nature. So I really, I'm not a fan of him this year and one of the reasons is what you already talked about. You just kind of follow the the signs. They they trade for a back. They draft a back. They bring a back in free agency. They bring in Kyle Juszczyk, a, a pass-catching fullback that could yep. even, as crazy as it sounds, kind of limit Hyde's PPR pass-catching ceiling. So yep. when you look at all that and just even if he's not cut, which I don't think is going to happen, if Shanahan comes in and uses him and, let's say, Joe Williams in somewhat of a tandem, well— I I got news for you. It's not going to end up the same way as it did in Atlanta in one of the best scoring seasons of all time. The 49ers are nowhere near close to that. And so if Joe Williams is getting touches, that's going to siphon some potential from Hyde as well. Not to mention Pro Football Focus has their offensive line ranked 27th out of 32 teams heading into the season. Yeah, and just – just looking at their weapons, I mean, I'm, I am I probably like Brian Hoyer more than most people, especially in fantasy terms, because I think he's competent. But other than Pierre Garçon, there's really nothing there in that offense other than Hyde that gets you excited. But again, with opportunity questions on top of a situation that I'm not a fan of, I put Hyde at 24 in my first rankings that I did. And that was before these cut rumors. And I know that's pretty low, but to me, it wasn't a hot take. And I'm just, I'm not interested in owning him this year. Now, again, this is what preseason is for. If he's getting all the touches with the first team and Shanahan and Lynch completely changed their tune and he's looking good, maybe I'll consider it. But right now, based on the information we have, I'm letting somebody else draft him.
0: Wow. Uh, please only use hot takes from now That's you know, we, we we want hot takes on this show. So okay duly
1: noted i'll I'll bring nah. the flames that's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all
0: good uh luke lukewarm takes a fine um yeah i see I am a little bit more i i i think Carlos Hyde's a really really good football player and I just feel like the situation really hurts him but I feel like the situation's improved enough for me to buy into him especially because a lot of people are much like you are, are not buying Carlos Hyde too much and I've been drafting him because he's been falling into the fourth round or um, early fifth round in some cases where it's just too hard to pass up a starting running back um, in the NFL. And I think uh, when Brian Hoyer wins the MVP this year, I'm going to come back and find this clip and um, send it to cold takes exposed. Um, there we go. Yeah, there's a hot <laughs> take. No, um, but yeah, I just I believe in Shanahan a lot. I think Carlos Hyde's a good player. But, you know, if he does get traded and ends up in Baltimore or somewhere like that, then I think that return on investment um, in the fourth or fifth round is going to pay off because that's a far more competent offense Uh, right now. I think if you, if you maybe give Shanahan a year, the 49ers might come close. The Ravens offense has has been very inconsistent at times. Their defense has kept them in a lot of games. So we'll wait and see, but it is hard to, to work out those Carlos Hyde murmurs. I know it was from a Greg Rosenthal piece and he's pretty switched on though. So um, he's not just throwing names out there for the sake of throwing names out there. So um, keep an eye on that one. Uh, Some more running backs. We'll move to Cleveland, uh, according to Mary Kay Kebod of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Duke Johnson is the leading candidate to replace Andrew Hawkins as the Browns' primary slot receiver. And Andrew Hawkins, coincidentally, retired this week. Um, he was a really fun player to watch. Just as a side note, um, given his height and size, um, I really appreciated. Always appreciate Definitely. small guys in the slot that just throw their bodies on the line. Uh, Austin Colley comes to mind as well. Um, just cop some bad knocks, but you got to have Did a lot. You
1: know- yeah. With you saying that, did you know that Andrew Hawkins was on a Michael Irvin reality TV show trying to make a spot on the Dallas Cowboys?
0: Yes. I, I, yeah, it's been a, well, it's, it's just, been a
1: long time. Okay.
0: It's a crazy I, I career.
1: Known, yeah, I should have known you knew that, but in yeah. case you didn't, I was going to say go watch it since you enjoyed Hawkins. That's where my Hawkins love started was, was at that, uh, he didn't even win. It was, uh, uh, something Ali or something that made the forty or uh, the Cowboys and had a catch in overtime of one game. But anyways, I'm yeah. going off the rails.
0: No, that's all right. Um, I, I didn't watch it originally, but I was told about it. Uh, I think when Hawkins played for Cincy and I went back and watched it and I've always been a fan of Hawkins. He's been a good, he's a good follower yeah. on Instagram as well. Um, brings, oh, nice. a, brings a fire. His, his kids are hilarious as well. But anyway, uh, Duke Johnson, uh yeah he's he's the leading candidate to replace Hawkins in the slot um you know he's he's one of the better receiving backs in the NFL he's had 500 receiving yards in each of his first two seasons so uh this is definitely an interesting suggestion from Mary Kay who is it switched on with the team and I kind of like it for both their running backs I think it increases their value because it, it seems obvious to me that they want Crowell to be their traditional running back. And I think it's good now that they realize Duke Johnson's strength. And he'll get a few carries here and there. But if you put him in the slot, you're guaranteeing him touches. You can also put him in split-back formations as well. I feel like it means that Duke Johnson's going to be on the field a lot more. And obviously, he's a clear handcuff if if Crowell goes down. Because he can still run the ball well. I think he had 4.6 yards per attempt or carry last year, Duke Johnson. So uh, I'm... I'm pointing arrows up for Crowell and Duke Johnson, you know, where are you comfortable drafting both these guys?
1: Well, first of all, I'm kind of skeptical about this report, just because I remember hearing something very similar about Theo Riddick last year, and I know that they ended up signing Anquan Bolden in training camp, and Riddick still was a very good pass catcher last year, Uh, but a lot of that came from the running back position, I know they lined him up some, And, and I'm not denying that they'll line up Duke Johnson in the slot at times, but... I don't, I'm don't. i not buying this yet as something that's going to be super consistent. Yeah. So I'm still looking at Duke Johnson as pretty much kind of putting him in the same handcuffed territory as guys like Jonathan Williams playing behind LaShawn McCoy, who should have some standalone value now that Mike gillisley has gone, Darren McFadden, who all signs point to he sh- should be getting some lead back starts here he at the beginning know. of the year. With Ezekiel Elliott suspension coming. I mean, the Cowboys just signed Ronnie Hillman, which is a sign that they're probably bracing for a suspension. So I'm putting Duke Johnson in a category like that, but you're totally right. If Crowell were to go down, then Duke Johnson's gonna provide you that pass catching ability on top of being a lead back in an offense that's all of a sudden looks a lot better. I mean, they upgraded significantly upgraded their offensive line this offseason. They are likely going to win at least a couple more than one game. And they brought in some weapons in the draft. And so, for me, what this report just kind of solidifies for me, which is what I've already believed, is that Crowell is going to be the lead back just like he was last year. And there's already been talk that they wish they would have uh, given him more carries. And granted, it's hard to do when you're only winning one game. But I think they're going to try to put a little bit more emphasis on that. And Crowell was already very solid last year. So, right now, he's. He's my RB11 and that's in PPR because even though Duke Johnson was very relevant as a patch catcher, if you go back and look, Isaiah Crowell ended up, I believe catching around 40 balls himself. So I really like Crowell. And then of course, yeah, Johnson's a flyer that if something were to happen to the starter, all of a sudden now he's probably an every week starter.
0: Yeah. I, I'm just looking at, at Duke Johnson's splits and you know, his his catches were down sort of eight or nine from his rookie season. So I think, if he is going to get, see just a few more snaps in the slot, I think that's going to go back up, um, you know, around that 60, 60 mark, and he can do do a lot more with it. He did a lot more with with the uh, catches last year as opposed to his rookie year, um, obviously getting better in the league. But uh, I'm with you. Crowell was sneaky, a sneaky good pass catcher himself. So um, I'm very high on Crowell this year. I think he's going to uh, have, have a good season behind a, a very solid uh, offensive line. Uh, all right, moving on. The Chargers acquired quarterback Cardell Jones from the Bills for a conditional seventh-round pick. Uh, basically, the Bills, they're not really sold on Cardale Jones. Um, he really should have got the start last year in, in Week 17 over E.J. Manuel. They didn't do that. Um, and the writing was really on the wall because they signed TJ Yates. They, they drafted Nate Peterman. So they reunite Jones with ex-Bills offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles, where he'll battle... Kellen Clemens and Mike uh, Bercovici to back up Philip Rivers, but uh, Anthony Lynn talked about Cardale Jones' potential. Uh, I think it was last year the quote's been thrown around that he really looks at Cardale Jones. So my question to you is: Does Cardale Jones have any dynasty value?
1: Oh, Cardale. Um <laughs> he was definitely <laughs> he was definitely fun to watch in college at at Ohio State for sure. Yeah. I. I I don't really think he has any dynasty value and I'm not sure if he's ever going to end up being anything more than a project. Like we talk about with some of these guys. I mean, I suppose I I do own Phillip rivers in a two quarterback dynasty league and I suppose it would make some sense to maybe target Cardell Jones uh, for as free as he is and get him on your bench to back up rivers. If you have a deep dynasty league, I'm talking like 30 roster spots plus, but even then with Kellen Clemens, who is a veteran there, and even Mike Berkovici, who has shown some things in preseason. Yep. Um, and I, I was kind of looking at uh, using him in preseason DFS this year, so I wonder what's going to happen there with Cardell. But yeah, that, that ruins <laughs>
0: it. I'm a big Berkovici <laughs> fan. I like him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like him too. And so there's no guarantee that even if Rivers goes down, Cardell's going to get the job. And who knows when the project label gets taken off of him and all of a sudden he has a chance. I mean I think Rivers is still going to play for at least 3 more years if not longer. At least so four more kids. I, yeah, yeah, he's going to yeah, he's got to play for he's got to get at least four more kids before he can retire. So yeah. I I don't see myself targeting Cardell Jones at all in Dynasty. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I I I, I don't think he carries too much yet. Um my only thing is that Lynn's probably the one of the few coaches that believes in his potential, but I think Philip Rivers is not going away anytime soon. Enough for me to uh, stash Cardale Jones on uh, on my roster. Um, I just want to mention these two players because their teams have been mentioned, and I know you're a big Tyrell Williams fan, and so am I, um, the Gazelle. Yeah. But um, what's your thoughts That's now, right. Tyrell Williams? Given uh, you know the Mike Williams news, but then was retracted as news, and now isn't as big as big of a deal but still i feel like tyro tyro williams is still so undervalued
1: yeah and first of all they got to stop messing with us fantasy owners like i hear mike williams is going to be out for the year i'm starting to adjust on my rankings and now all of a sudden he might just be on the pup to start training camp and his back's feeling better like just tell me what's going on but uh, (laughs) uh either way i mean Mike Williams is still a rookie wide receiver. He's coming into a crowded wide receiver core, and he's missing very valuable time right now. I believe he got injured on the first day of minicamp. He's missing some of training camp. And, you know, we've seen this with some other wide receivers, Josh Jackson, Brashad Perryman, Kevin White, et cetera. If you miss valuable practice time as a rookie, you fall below The learning curve very very quickly and so you know yeah and Tyrell Williams looks the part he went over a thousand yards and had seven touchdowns last year and I get that it was some somewhat opportunity driven because my boy Keenan Allen was out who I'm pretty excited about is coming back but I see Tyrell Williams being that wide receiver too regardless of what happens with Mike Williams and the longer he misses the more excited I get about Tyrell Williams uh I I don't have him super high in my rankings right now. I have him as wide receiver thirty seven. Part of that is because of Keenan Allen coming back who I, I've just I've loved. I think
0: he's yeah, we love him very,
1: very good. And the look, you can call him injury prone if you want, but his two injuries are completely different. They're not correlated in any way, shape, or form. Spring, and man. I just yeah, I I think they're random and I think that it's it's a little bit thinking too much to to say oh i know he's going to get hurt again i firmly believe that so i think he'll, he'll be fine i hope and you know they still have travis benjamin they still have don Charles- and then they still have antonio gates they still have hunter henry so there's so many people there i can't love 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 tyro williams but at his adp i like him reach for him a little bit get him as a wide receiver four in the philip rivers offense and i'll take that all day
0: yeah i i agree and on on Keenan Allen, I I love taking players that like people players that people have taken a year earlier really high and that have got injured early or injured during the season or have carried an injury through the season and a lot of fantasy owners are frustrated and they they'll never touch that yes. player again yes. and they always fall to a range that I just I love picking so this year Keenan Allen, Semi Watkins, Alshon Jeffrey, those type of players are falling to a range where. Um, yeah, man. You can get them as your wide receiver, too, and you're dreaming. You, you, you're so happy. If you can land Sammy Watkins or Keenan Allen as your wide receiver, too, I think you, especially in a PPR league, you, you're going a long way to, to securing a spot in the playoffs. And Tyrell Williams, at his ADP on fantasy calculator is 45 at the moment. Um, I still think that's too low. Um, I agree with you. Agreed. But I think that 30... Five to forty-five range is probably about right. Forty-five is probably the floor, um, so I wouldn't be buying him much higher than uh, thirty-five. Though, uh, all right, moving on to Tyrod Taylor, who was also um, now hasn't got Cardale Jones breathing yet. How how are you approaching Tyrod Taylor? Because on a points per game basis last year, he was. He was a really, really good quarterback, and he's going at, like, quarterback 17 this year. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he's actually been quarterback 6 and 8 in points per game at the position over the past two years, and that's that rushing upside. Shout-out to Rich Rebar. It's the Konami code. It's the rushing upside, and I just think that we look at our quarterbacks and we really, really want them to be dynamic passers, a la Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, but the way that fantasy is played... Rushing matters so much. It is it is favored in the scoring system, and we know Tyrod Taylor is going to present that. And on top of that, you just talked about it. I love me some Sammy Watkins this year, too. He's an alpha receiver who is one of the best talents in the league as long as he can stay healthy, and that's the major issue. But right now, he is supposedly healthy, and so if he's able to play and be that alpha receiver for Tyrod Taylor, we've seen them hook up time and time again when they're both on the field and if you add that on top of his rushing upside at quarterback 17, I love that. I'll take that all day and it makes it even better in two quarterback and super flex leagues. If you can get him as like your late quarterback 2, it's it's just absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's it's just magic. Uh I, I I'm targeting him in a lot of leagues. I think I'll be using him and stacking him with Sammy Watkins in a lot of DFS this year, especially when they're playing, you know, teams like the Jets. Uh, so I think they're going to return a lot of value. I really hope this is Tyrod's year. I really hope uh, he, he, he has a, a big coming out year. I know a lot of people already team Tyrod already, uh, already but uh, still a lot of Tyrod skeptics out there.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really make much sense, especially from a fantasy angle, again, like we talked about.
0: Yeah, I saw a good tweet yesterday um, from, uh, I think it was Football Perspective, and it tweeted they tweeted which quarterback from the the Ravens Forty ers Super Bowl would you rather have on your roster right now, and it was Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith, or Colin Kaepernick. I'm oh pretty, my gosh! And I'm pretty sure Tyrod Taylor uh, led the led the voting. I'm gonna look this up right now. But if you were, oh, to, that's
1: if, an awesome tweet.
0: If you were to vote, who would you uh, who would you vote for?
1: Oh man. Um... I'd probably still roll Joe Flacco slightly over Tyron Taylor. I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but uh, oh, I'd probably slightly take Flacco. A healthy Flacco.
0: You're still too scarred from the Raheem Moore fall over.
1: Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. Don't worry. I I not I I be of that picking all the time. him after what he did to my team. I, never mind. I'm changing. Tyron Taylor.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> after 783 votes, Tyrod Taylor on 37%, Flacco 23 Alex Smith twenty four percent and Colin Kaepernick sixteen percent. So, wow,
1: Alex uh, Alex Smith outscored Flacco. Huh? That one surprises by
0: me. a percent. Yeah, interesting. But I, I just found that fascinating that those both those two teams had sort of competent quarterbacks as their backups. Um, you know, in a league where yeah. quarterbacks are very very hard to find. Uh, all right, I never even thought about it. No, That's me neither. It just sort of popped up when I think the Kaepernick news to the. 49ers and people were posting photos of them sort of previewing the the Super Bowl together. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, funny how the NFL sort of comes full circle at times. We'll move on to your beloved Denver Broncos. Um, There's a lot of speculation about, you know, the quarterback and the running back position. So the news sort of yesterday was Trevor Simeon will take the first snaps under center, when the Broncos open training camp on Thursday, and then Lynch will take the first reps on Friday. So if you've got shares in the Broncos' offense, Ben, um, which quarterback are we rooting for here, and, and what can you tell us about uh, the quarterback situation?
1: Yeah, so I, I'd say I probably have a pretty interesting take here um, just because it's a little bit... Yeah, l- listen to me toot my own horn, but just because it's a little bit contradictory. So I think if I owned Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders... I prefer Trevor Simeon because we saw it last year. He was able to maintain their PPR value, and they still were able to finish, I believe, as wide receiver twos with all that volume. He's, he doesn't offer the upside that Paxton Lynch offers, but he's just going to provide that consistency where I trust that he can at least get Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders the ball. However, I see Trevor Simeon as a placeholder I see him as an average quarterback talent at best and with Paxton Lynch being a first round pick just a year ago it makes per- it made perfect sense last year with the Broncos coming off the Super Bowl to let him sit, especially because he was coming from a spread offense at Memphis and he played in a wing T offense in high school. So we knew from the second he was drafted that it was going to be a slow burn and it was going to take some time. And Denver never even really put him in the quarterback competition whatsoever. I mean, Mark Sanchez for crying out loud was talked about as potentially being the starter over him, which is what's happening, (laughs) which is kind of what's happening in Chicago right now. But that's, you know, that's good old John Fox. But anyways, Now that they're talking about Simeon and Paxton Lynch basically being neck and neck for the job, I personally believe Lynch is going to win out and be the week one starter. And he offers more upside. He's got a huge arm. He's very mobile, just like we talked about with Tyrod Taylor. So he could have some sneaky value into quarterback leagues. I, I see so many people taking Simeon over Lynch. I would take Lynch first. I think he's going to be the starter. Now, hopefully he holds on to it because the Broncos really need to find out what they have to make a decision whether they're going to you know, stick with Lynch for another year and hope that he develops into this franchise quarterback that I want him to or realize that you know, it's not working out the way we wanted it to and maybe move on to another option. So we will see what happens there, but... With him on the field, I do think for DT and Sanders, he's probably going to be a little bit more up and down, getting his first, you know, large sample size in the NFL. So it's going to be an interesting situation to watch. And I know we're going to talk about some training camp battles. This is definitely one that's on the top of my watch list for sure.
0: Yeah, and uh, I was going to put it in that segment, but it it sort of became news, so I just I just bumped it up. um, You know, with, with analyzing a lot of the news from a fantasy perspective uh, because that's what we do in in preseason because it's it's a good way to get through all the news. A lot of it is fantasy-related. Do you think Mike McCoy's impact has really boosted Paxton Lynch's chances? Um, Because that seems to be um, the talk coming out of Denver is that he sort of suits what what Mike McCoy likes uh, more more so than Simeon.
1: Yeah, it kind of goes twofold because the other point that I should have already made is That Trevor Simeon was drafted when Gary Kubiak was here as the head coach and it just seemed like Simeon and Kubiak were kind of simpatico last year and and Kubiak really really liked him and so now that he's gone that I think helps Lynch however it's just another new offense that Lynch has to learn when he's already kind of never really been in a pro-style offense before up until last year as a rookie, and now they're changing the offense on him again. So from that standpoint, it hurts because I I still think he's a developmental player that can develop into a franchise quarterback. It's just a question of, when is that going to happen? And as a Broncos fan, it sucks because I know it's not going to happen this year, yet they have a roster that can win a Super Bowl, as we saw two years ago. Mm-hmm. But I just we know that's not going to happen. So, But that's kind of my point is because we know they're not winning the Super Bowl, why not put the guy out there that has the higher upside, let him start learning on the field, and start to see if this guy actually has some of what it takes to make it in the league Yep. And if not, then then now you have the information to move on, and maybe you start Chad Kelly next year. Maybe you try to draft one of these quarterbacks next year. So from just all of those angles, I think Paxton Lynch will be the Week One starter.
0: All right, well uh, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm still think I still think it'll be Simeon. Um, I just think Paxton has so much ground to 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 uh, to make up. But I wouldn't mind either all. I think it will make the Broncos a little bit more fun, a little bit more saucy. Uh, with Paxton Lynch yeah uh, the running back situation as well uh, how much how much can we expect from uh, Jamal Charles I know you are expecting a, a renaissance Charles this this season
1: <laughs> you saw that yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm probably in the minority but just kind of going through and looking at a lot of the older running backs and I'm kind of even including LaShawn McCoy and DeMarco Murray and that and just looking at their touch counts I don't have them right in front of me but Lashawn well, McCoy, I'm sorry, Jamal Charles, excuse me, does not have a ton of miles on, you know, his NFL resume because he has missed a couple of years now with injuries. And before he became Jamal Charles, he was kind of a change of pace back, and so he doesn't have. His body should still be okay as long as that knee can hold up, and that's the huge question, and I totally get that. But reports have been very positive lately. Jamal Charles is saying he feels back to normal, you know, and I just I can't help but thinking this could potentially be a Jimmy Graham situation where we all think he's done, and, you know, he's not coming back, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's back, and he's great, and all of a sudden we all like him all over again. And it's just, I mean, Jamal Charles has been one of the best running backs I've ever seen in my life and so especially with Devontae Booker going down now with an injury and he's going to miss a couple of months I mean it's CJ Anderson who I like as well and Jamal Charles and then you got the rookie D'Angelo Henderson who dynasty owners like and it's a name to keep in mind but I don't see him coming out of the gates very relevant so I see this as a committee and that's kind of what new head coach Vance Joseph has been saying is they're not necessarily locking themselves into one back. And so it makes it tough for fantasy because a CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles committee on a team that has an average offensive line and an average offense doesn't get you super excited, but where you can draft Jamal Charles because everybody thinks he's done. If he does make the team, which I fully think is going to happen, then there is certainly potential to get some bang for your buck. If he's, Anything remotely close to what he used to be pre-injury?
0: Yeah, uh, he's had <clears throat> sorry, uh, ninety-three carries uh, over the last two seasons, and you compare that to Demarco Murray alone had two hundred ninety-three rushes just last season. So it's you know it's a massive difference. He's he's he is a lot fresh fresher, and I think I agree with you. I think given what you just said at the last point, there is it's a very limited offense, very limited offensive line. I think I'd rather take a chance on Jamal Charles. Much later than, than draft C.J. Anderson, and I am a big Anderson fan, and I've I owned him last year, and I've owned him the year before. I've been I've always been a big Anderson fan, but uh, Jamal Charles, if he is even just eighty percent of the Hall of Fame running back that we've come to expect, um, I think he'll he'll definitely be too hard to keep off the field for for a certain amount of touches on any given week. Uh, all right, that's that's our news. Before we get to our training camp battles, we do have a weird web story
1: you got to get out of here. This
0: is crazy. You're so weird. No. <laughs> You're really weird. You're so weird. All right. This this story is from uh, Dan Hansis from NFL.com. It's been covered everywhere, but uh, Dan summarizes it quite well. So Julio Jones lost a $1,000 diamond stud earring in a jet ski tumble. So basically he, uh, he was zipping around Lake Lanier in Georgia. Have you ever been there, Ben?
1: I have not. Okay. That is uh, that is a lot of money for for a diamond to lose. Yes.
0: Yeah, so basically, he's uh, jet skiing around, and uh, so fortunes changed when the all pro encountered a boat wake that knocked him off his vessel. He popped up to the surface unharmed, but not whole. His stud earring had detached from his lobe during his fall, sinking to the bottom of the murky, sixty five foot deep. Lake and the earrings value was in the neighborhood of a hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, so Jones did what any multi-millionaire with expensive bling taste would do. He hired a team of divers to recover the tiny treasure. Um, and oh, so, Bo- Bobby Griffin, the self-proclaimed scuba man of Lake Lanier, sounds like a Scooby-Doo villain. Um, <laughs> with sal- <laughs> Yeah and a salvage diver, Richard Pickering went to work Tuesday, but had no luck. Um, but they. They think that they'll be able to find it. I I doubt it. But my question for you, Ben is um, what's the most expensive thing that you've ever lost or found?
1: So I I tried to think of some story that would make me sound a lot better, but I just couldn't think of it. So (laughs) here's what I got. So back in college, uh, I believe we went to a comedy sketch at like one of the, the on-campus buildings. And, I left my backpack there and it had my laptop in it. And I went back first thing in the, like when I realized it, it was closed. When I went back first thing in the morning and, you know, started talking to the people working there, it was just gone. And they were, I, I filed a police report and they were talking about how, one of the overnight maintenance people could have taken it, and there was really no way of knowing. Yep. Uh, so that was pretty crushing. Had to get a new laptop, oh. which wasn't wasn't super cheap, and learned my lesson there that uh, you know you gotta gotta protect those valuables and not forget them anywhere.
0: Yeah, I similar thing for me is I was catching. Uh, it was uh, it was in I was in high school, and in our last year in high school, you could you could drive to school, um, but my I'd just recently been like I actually crashed my car nothing serious but I ran up the back of someone and, and rode my car off so um, on the weekend I had to catch a bus somewhere and I hate buses but I had a backpack and I had um, like a cam cam recorder thing and that I'd recently bought um, was doing some like filmmaking stuff and I got off the bus and left my backpack on the bus with all the uh, all my film film recording equipment so that was gone I never bought any new ones because mum was like I don't trust you anymore <laughs> so that was pretty pretty bad. Um and another story for me is when I was in Las Vegas, I uh lost my phone in a taxi cab and um I was like oh that's gone. Like the taxi cabs in Vegas just go all over the place. So many people and I didn't realize till the next morning. But luckily like we spoken to the taxi cab driver um about being from Australia and he he watched some Aussie rules football and things like that. So it was actually his last shift of the night. So he, when he got home, he actually cleaned the cab and found the phone, and remembered that we were from Australia and that I'd probably really need this. So he actually drove it to the to the uh, taxi cab place, and I actually oh actually went and called them and said, "You don't happen to have a phone?" And they did. So I had to catch like another cab to get all the way out there. It was a very far trip, but there it was, my phone. The the taxi cab driver handed it back in. Um, so that was. Pretty lucky. Like, it had all our photo, like yeah. some photos from our trip and uh, had everything on there. Oh yeah, you
1: don't want to lose those. Yeah. So that no, was this is, no. This is so crazy because we have pretty similar stories. That story right there reminded me of another one. We took like a party bus uh, to a Florida Georgia line country concert, like an hour and a half away from from my hometown, and you know ended up having a good time. Had a couple too many adult beverages, and Same I here. ended up. Yeah, and I ended up leaving my iPod, my personal iPod, which probably has like 4,000 songs on it, on the bus. And I never thought I'd see it again because apparently the company that we rented from was at least an hour out. Well, my buddy who set it up gave me the bus driver's personal number. I explained the whole situation to him, and he drove – the bus all the way to my house like an hour hour and a half away what? with his like wife chilling in the passenger seat and let me go on the bus and search it and i found my ipod and i just remembered that story because of what you brought <laughs>
0: wait so he drove an hour and a half and it wasn't guaranteed that it would actually be in there
1: Yes, unless he had it. But I'm pretty sure I found it on the floor and he didn't even ask me for like money or anything. He just did it as a favor. And I was so unbelievably lucky. Lucky it was insane.
0: Not all heroes wear capes. That's right.
1: That's that right. True. It's so funny how similar our stories are. I, I feel like this is therapy session. You're making me feel better. Yeah, man. I feel Thank like you. we're on a on a couch right
0: now, just hands back, just relaxing and and bringing back those uh those old memories of things that we've lost. So yeah, thankfully it's right. thanks. Thankfully, uh, some filming equipment and the laptops not the not the worst thing in the world. Not a hundred thousand dollar earring, but in saying that, don't think I'll, yeah. I'll don't think I'll ever ever own a hundred thousand dollar earring or even an earring. Uh. In my life, so uh, uh,
1: yeah I just hope to own a hundred thousand dollars
0: collectively I hope I'll get there one day so
1: yeah exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right let's um jump into some uh, training camp battles and some uh, some different situations and roles that you know may become clearer through training camp obviously we've we spoke about some news that's trickled out but not all teams have really started camp yet so let's talk about the Cardinals wide receiver three role we've got jJ Nelson Jerron Brown and Chad Williams vying for that spot. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that situation, and, and who do you think or, or want to win out?
1: Yeah, I think it's J.J. Nelson right now, and he showed some things last year as a deep threat and a big playmaker. And so uh, if, if you play MFL 10s, any best balls, I mean, I, I like him late in best ball because he has that big play upside in, a passing offense under Bruce Arians that loves to go deep. And, you know, I think this Carson Palmer has done and his body's totally breaking down is is a little bit being overplayed. He actually was – eighth overall in points per game at quarterback over the last eight weeks of the season. And mm. and now the team is talking about, you know, putting an added emphasis on keeping his arm fresh and trying to keep him healthy. And I think he's got another good year left in one more good year left in him. So I think right now it's JJ Nelson, but I definitely think the name to watch is Chad Williams, who was a third round pick this year, a little bit surprising. But the Cardinals have very recently had some success getting guys from Small schools and making them studs look no further than David Johnson, of course. So, yeah. and Chad John Williams Brown. is a, a yes, thank you. And John Brown, so and you know, it's kind of a similar situation wide receiver, small school. So, Chad Williams right now is probably on the outside looking in, but I definitely think that he is going to contribute at some time this season. Maybe it is early, I'm looking more second half of the year. So keep in mind, because he's a big-bodied guy. You watch his tape. He reminds you a little bit of Brandon Marshall. Not as big, but uh, he had a solid college dominator, and he has some good athletic metrics across the board with a 99 percentile Spark X score on playerprofiler.com, as well as his best comparable player is Malcolm Mitchell. So a guy that I uh, made sure I acquired a dynasty share this offseason and somebody to definitely keep your eye on moving forward, especially in preseason.
0: Yeah, I, I'm leaning J.J. Nelson. You know, you look at his usage, you know, his first year was just a little bit, you know, 11, 11 receptions last year, a little bit more decent, 34 catches, but over 500 yards from those catches, his average sort of catch was uh, around that 16-and-a-half-yard mark, and then they even used him a little bit in the rushing game, um, which is something to watch. So if, he's, if his usage trends continue, then you're looking at maybe hopefully 60, 60 ca- catches and... And close to close to a thousand yards from J.J. Nelson if he does lock lock that job in, but yeah, the Chad Williams, given the success they've had with small school guys that they've reached on, because a lot of people expected Chad Williams to go in the you know fifth round, and and they they took him early, and that's always something you got to really really watch because John Brown just broke into the scene um, out of nowhere, and uh, you you kind of get those vibes from Chad Williams. So I've I've always tried to target at least one of those guys really late in my drafts. Uh, All right, moving on to the Seattle running back situation right now. We've got um, not-so-fat Eddie Lacy, CJ Procise, and Thomas Rawls all uh, vying for carries and touches. Eddie Lacy, uh, slim Eddie now, basically, losing weight and cashing checks. Uh, how How are you approaching this? I know it obviously would be different in... PPR formats because CJ Pro size would be a, a a favorite in in those PPR formats. But how are you expecting this to play out in terms of the usage in early downs? Yeah, I
1: wish Seattle would put me on a stay healthy regimen, then I could actually get to that hundred thousand dollar barrier pretty quickly. <laughs> but um you know, I, I'm not interested in Thomas Rawls really at all now that it's a three headed monster and you know, I know he was solid a couple years ago, but he was really the only guy at that time, and everything that Seattle has done since the end of that season when he, I believe, broke his ankle or leg, one of the two, it kind of goes back to that Carlos Hyde thing. Like, all the signs point to me saying that they don't really believe in him as the yeah. guy, and I'm sure he'll be on the field a little bit, but not fantasy-relevant as long as Eddie Lacy and CJ process stay healthy. Now, granted, they both had their injury concerns, but those are the two guys I really like, and I think – If you just look at what Seattle wants to do, before last season when they had a lot of issues, they ranked first, second, second, and third from 2012 all the way to 2015 in rushing attempts. And granted, beast mode was balling out, but I think that to some extent they want to keep that identity and Eddie Lacey is a guy that I think can get it done. I mean, we'll see what happens him moving out from a better offensive line in green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers, but Russell Wilson is obviously no slouch whatsoever. So I like Eddie Lacey in standard leagues. Um, you know, I think as we talked about, I, I went ahead and grabbed him in the Scott fish bowl, which, you know, again is, is basically a standard league on steroids, which is going to be Eddie Lacy's best format. But I'm still interested in him for sure. And, and I kind of like him in PPR too, but like you touched on, I mean, CJ Proceis is, to me, the best talent probably of the three. And it's just a question of how much opportunity are they going to give him and can he stay healthy because he got injured pretty quickly last year while he was already missing the beginning of the season with an injury. But when he was on the field, I mean – We saw him put up 153 total yards in New England, seven catches, and that's that PPR magic that just gets you very excited. I mean, he helped Seattle beat New England in New England, and I believe it was the only loss that they had with Tom Brady uh, playing quarterback, and, and obviously we see New England go on to win the Super Bowl. So I have to believe that the coaching staff is not going to forget that one. And C.J. Procise, regardless of how much I like Eddie Lacey, is going to be involved not just in the passing game, but he's going to get some carries too because yes. he is an electric player. And so, you know, it's tough because their offensive line is is not very good. I, I believe it's ranked Dead last heading into the year by Pro Football Focus. And we've seen Russell Wilson make the best of that situation for many years now. But with, you know, Marshawn Lynch was able to ball out because he was the guy. And so because it's a two-headed monster, it's pretty tough. But also we see that's why both Lacey and ProSize and even Rawls, ADPs are very, very palatable. So, Mm. you know, it's just, I mean, it's great that it's in here because I want to see who's getting the touches with the first team offense and what the usage is going to be. Like I said, I envision somewhat of a committee between Lacey and ProSize, But my first guess would be that Lacey is going to get the opportunity to score the touchdowns and which is which is why i probably even honestly and, and it was tough for me because i really like pro size I, i'm leaning lacy just a smidge even in ppr leagues because of the touchdown upside
0: yeah uh, the touchdown touchdown upside obviously a huge factor and you know he's he's one of the best goal backs. Over oh, the last couple of years, Eddie Lacey, when he's when he's been fit and healthy, it's hard to read the tea leaves in some of these situations because there's so many factors, such as contracts and injury history and all that sort of stuff. So all these contributing factors that will play a, play a part. Uh, moving on to the Rams tight end situation, uh, Tyler Higby was sort of their guy last year, and now they've they've drafted Gerald Everett very highly, and the the links between him and Jordan Reed. Um, with Sean McVay, um, have been there and, and Everett has said that, that he and Higby are going to be better than the Redskins tight ends this year. Uh, a lot of hype surrounding Gerald Everett, but I feel like a lot of rookie tight ends get overhyped and I feel like Higby is probably the, the one to own. Are you leaning the same way?
1: Well, for 2000, for this year, I really don't have any interest whatsoever. So it really doesn't even matter to me because there are just so many other tight ends and better offenses yeah, I, that I prefer. I want a
0: preference for that as well, but if I had to choose one to own, yeah. I would lean Higby.
1: Um I, I we we've had some fun disagreements here, I guess. I, I think I'd probably lean Everett, and I think that, yeah, I mean it's 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 a little scary to just all of a sudden start throwing out Jordan Reed comparisons, but I think when you just try to match play styles with coaches it's certainly worth saying because obviously mcveigh comes in and yeah. targets him address if you just look at their athletic profiles on playerprofile.com everett has a pretty solid advantage over higby in the athleticism department and he had a very good college dominator too now obviously he's a rookie tight end and you know, rookie tight ends really don't produce. But Higby's a second-year tight end and really didn't do much last year. So I'm kind of looking at them on even playing field. And, I mean, if you made me choose, I'd probably just go Everett in hopes that McVay got his guy and there's a little bit more upside there. But, I mean, it's still good that that we're talking about it because obviously, you know, we want to see what is happening in preseason. So you can kind of start thinking, you know, do I want to try to acquire Everett, if you didn't get him in your dynasty rookie draft on on the cheap with the thought process that if he shows in year one preseason, maybe he can become a very, you know, solid weapon in a couple of years when rookie tight ends really start to to blow up. So, I mean, and and that could be and that could be Higby, too. You could end up being right on that. And so that's why it's important to watch uh, and, and watch these preseason
0: games. Exactly, uh, we have had many disagreements, and uh, we haven't spoke about one that uh, we've come across on each other on Twitter. That's that's on Jarvis Landry. Uh, you're you're a big Jarvis Landry fan. Me, not so much.
1: Oh man, I think I might remember that from last year. I, I yeah. may, maybe I'm making it up, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jar- First of all, <laughs> Jarvis. I mean, it was just one of those situations where I was in on Jarvis Landry in year two and was able to get him pretty, pretty cheap in a draft and he helped me win a championship. So I'll always love Jarvis and you know, he's boy he's (laughs) boys with my boy, OBJ love Odo Beckham. So yeah, I like Jarvis, but, um, From a fantasy standpoint, that's kind of starting to change with the way the Miami's offense is changing and becoming much more run heavy. I mean, that was the appeal of Landry a couple years ago, especially where you could get him late, was if you looked at that offense that they were running, it was – they had no running game. He he was the
0: running game. He was the the
1: the running game. And in PPR, I mean, that was just so juicy, and that's not the case anymore. I still like him. Yeah. but i think he's a better um, fantasy player
0: much. than football player that that's my yeah point. and that
1: was that was going to be my other point is yeah. he's 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 solid for fantasy still, but when you want to talk about him just as a football player in particular, I think there's probably a reason why Miami hasn't offered him a contract extension yet. He's a good player, but he's not really a player that's going to move the needle for you. So yep. uh, maybe we still disagree a little bit, but yeah, just just wanted to give my well-rounded take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're running out of time, so I want to skip ahead to the last training camp battle um, that uh, I'm interested in, in discussing, and um, I'm interested to see what your thoughts are is this Redskins wide receiver role uh, between Pryor, Crowder, and, and Josh Doxson to a lesser extent. If you're looking at their ADPs, Terrell Pryor's ADP in, in like, standard formats is, like, wide receiver, like, 15 or 16. I'm just going to clarify that. Whereas whereas Crowder is... Uh, Terrell Pryor is wide receiver 14 right now on Fantasy Football Calculator. And Crowder is... trying to find him now. Is wide receiver thirty-one? That's a huge discrepancy for for two wide receivers that are vying for yeah. Kirk Cousins' attention, and the latter has been there a year before, has played in that offense, has played wide receiver his whole life. As good as Terrell Pryor's switch has been, uh, you know, there's not as much sample size in terms of Terrell Pryor being a consistent performer at wide receiver fourteen. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's pretty aggressive. I mean, I get it. I, I, I'm I, probably one of Kirk Cousins' biggest fans. And again, that goes a little bit more to fantasy than real-life quarterback. When you look at this offense, they really haven't had a running game. We'll see what Samaje Ryan brings, who I like. But yeah. I still think this offense is going to be a high-volume passing offense. And, and it, you know, it ended up making Kirk Cousins a top-five quarterback last year. And everybody wants to kind of talk about Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon leaving. But they bring in... Josh Doxson, who they drafted in the first round, and they bring in Terrell Pryor. And I mean, if you just look at Terrell Pryor, I mean, he looks like a freaking Greek god. So I get it in standard leagues, especially because that touchdown upside is definitely there, especially looking at what he did last year in a much worse situation. Now, he's probably not going to see as many targets, but of course, the quality of those targets should be better with Kirk Cousins, and he should have more opportunities to score touchdowns. So. I get it, but that is a very, very big discrepancy, and I understand that it's standard. But Jamison Crowder, you know, he scored some touchdowns last year, and I get that Jordan Reed was hurt, but this is a guy that I just think I'm just in love with this year in PPR leagues, and he should be fine in standard, especially with that discrepancy in ADP. I mean, he has 90-plus catch potential. Right away, because like you said, he's the only wide receiver returning that has rapport with Cousins, and I mean, I was just listening to Cousins in a quick training camp interview today saying that his his role, Crowder's role is going to grow, so in PPR... I mean, it's kind of a toss-up there, and honestly, I might slide Crowder just because of all those juicy chops. It kind of goes back to the reason why I loved Jarvis Landry so much a couple years ago. These slot receivers that are going to get these easy, easy catches and can rack them up are so beautiful in PPR. And I do side prior in standard because of the touchdown upside, but when we're talking about, I think you said, 16 spots difference, then it starts to become, well— Maybe I'll go Crowder there because of the uh, the ADP discrepancy. But I like both of these guys, and I'm very interested to see what doxson does in the preseason because I loved him coming out of TCU. And, you know, I mean, we, we have to be a little careful, screaming bust, because he really hasn't had a chance to yep. prove it yet. and Not exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And even though he looks like he's probably going to start out as the three because the reports are Crowder's going to be the two, which makes sense he's still somebody to be very interested in in his own right at his ADP. So, I mean, that's a long way of saying I I like all three of these guys and uh, all of their ADPs are are pretty interesting, especially Crowder in PPR.
0: Yeah, I I just think Crowder's too low. I feel feel like I like Terrell Pryor. I mean, the guy had 1,000 yards last year in a terrible offense and I guess people are expecting, you know, now that he's playing in a better offense with a better quarterback that things can only go up, but – in saying that, I feel like drafting him as wide receiver 14 in, in standard leagues, I think you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling. I feel like the return on investment's just just not there for Terrell Pryor. I, can I see him being a top 10 wide receiver? Maybe. But I feel like someone like Sammy Watkins or Alshon Jeffery or Alan Robinson would be surprise me less if they make the top 10. Even Keenan Allen making the top 10 over... Terrell Pryor to end the year. I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed in Washington, and they're all valuable. You know, we haven't seen Dawson, but Crowder, Reed, and Pryor are all good players, so you you know they're going to get theirs. And you're right, Jamison Crowder, seven touchdowns last year, like underrated touchdown scorer, um, only 67 catches as well. So, you know, I think he could near that 100-catch mark, Jamison Crowder. So in PPR leagues where he's going, I just... Like I just can't believe that he's going that low. It, it's baffling to me.
1: Yeah, I want Crowder and Willie Snead on all my PPR teams this year. Yeah. Just like all of them. Just give me every share of those two guys.
0: If you're going zero wide receiver early and you end up with them as your, your two wide receivers, I think you you've got a really really good winning roster. If you, say you, yes. if you say you go like jji and and Rob Gronkowski early, and then you you double down with Crowder and Snead, it's it's not a bad start to to uh to your team. So it's definitely yeah, an interesting no. approach. Do you have one that you lean? Do you, do you go zero wide receiver or zero RB, or do you just well, play by you?
1: Well, well I was going to say, I mean, this year, when you look at the running backs and you look at how quickly – the guaranteed bell cow guys that you know are going to get opportunity dry up. I mean, to me, there's about nine and it kind of, well, it even kind of eight because Jordan Howard scares me where he's going. So yep. once you get to a and Devante Freeman and those guys, after that, you can kind of start screaming question marks on a lot of these guys. And that's why Isaiah Crowell is so high in my rankings. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I, I understand that, the injuries are a risk much more for running backs because they're touching the ball more, but it makes so much sense this year, especially in PPR to get a couple of those backs that you don't really have to worry about unless they get injured, then go with these PPR studs in these middle rounds. Like we're talking about that. I love Jamison Crowder, Willie Sneed. You can look at Mark Tavis, Bryant in this range, you know, and, and there's yeah. Oh, thank you. Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, who we talked about earlier. And these are, these are guys at the wide receiver position where there are so many more options. I mean, I, I pulled the, the this fantasy football calculator up. Yeah, Tyrell Williams is 44th on stan- for standard. You can get a guy like Quincy and Inunwa late, Adam Thielen, Marvin Jones. You can't get running backs like that that late in the draft. And so I kind of like going stud running backs early this year, then attacking wide receiver in those middle rounds with some of the guys we talked about. And then you can go ahead and veer back towards running back a little bit later and attack those Jonathan Williams in just in case LaShawn McCoy gets hurt or McFadden or James Conner, uh, or Duke Johnson who we talked about. Yep, so exactly. that, that that's and there's even guys like Pierre Garçon who is going to be correct. the wide receiver one in a Kyle Shanahan offense and just so many options at wide receiver that I like trying to get the running back. And again, it just comes down to supply and demand. There's not that many you know Carlos Hyde, is he going to be a thing? CJ Anderson, is he going to be a thing? I mean, we can hope that they're going to be, but we really don't know.
0: Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned Crowell creeping up your rankings. And I, I thought I kind of reached for him in Scott Fishbowl, taking him in the bottom of round three. But as you're right, as all the cow running backs went early, like he was the next one on my list. And then I thought if I don't yeah. take one now, I'm going to have too many running backs with question marks. And I'm not going to, you know, these are the type of swing for the fences, you know, picks that you need to take in, in the Scott Fishbowl that, you know, could... You know, make or break your team. But if it makes it, then you've got a good chance to to you know make it through to the finals in, in Scott Fishbowl. Definitely,
1: yeah. I, I don't think you reached for him at all at the yeah. back of the third yeah. for that scoring system.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think I did all right with that one. So, anyway, uh, we're out of time. Ben, huge thank you for co-hosting. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, where can people find you? Plug your work. Plug whatever you want. Um, the, 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 <laughs> the, the podcast is yours. Uh, just uh, give people uh, give people some info.
1: Oh, man, the podcast is mine. I feel even more empowered now. <laughs> uh, no, I, I had a blast. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF. That's i uh, I'm very excited to announce, maybe some of you have already heard, that I am doing a DFS podcast with the fantasy footballers. We've already recorded a couple of those episodes, and we're going to unleash—I think four of them—here in a couple of weeks, all at the same time. And so we'll be doing that throughout the season. And I'll be continuing my DFS articles that I was doing with them into the season. You can find some of my more recent work on Rotoviz. You can just go to Rotoviz.com and click uh, find the author section at the top, and just scroll down to Ben Cummins. Click on my name, and you can find all of the recent articles I've put out there. And Uh, Every once in a while, I'm putting stuff out on two quarterbacks and uh, Roto Underworld and all types of, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm still trying to come up in this industry. So I'm just kind of stretching myself out and trying to be in as many places at once. And of course, podcast wise, I am a a regular on the fantasy authority podcast. So go ahead and check that, that out as well.
0: Yep. There you go. Foot in a lot of camps. You're a content machine. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, And I I love your work with the fantasy footballers. I'll be definitely uh, checking that out. They're a a really good website, um, especially uh, getting the reception perception stuff off Matt Harmon as well as um, just really boosted, uh, you know, the range of content that they're producing. So it's a really good uh, website for for a lot of people. Uh, Ben, thank you very much for joining us. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow the show on Twitter at Woot&Y and, and listen on iTunes, Stitcher and Audio Boom. Please give us an iTunes review and a like on Facebook, The Woot&Y Show. Peace out guys.